The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello everybody, welcome to New York Talk, we are the Rotherham United podcast and we have no pre-season to talk about. We have a charity event from, from Danny, Mick and Ben went to on Saturday. Um, I'll introduce who we've got first and I'll let you know how we're starting. Mick is with us, he's sporting the new shirt, hello Mick. I do like it. I do like it, I'm very jealous. Let's move on from that yeah, jealousy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, Ben's with us, hello Ben. Hello. I know this is, I'm, I'm taking up time here, but then that looks like a school shirt. I know it's a rather... Yeah, I know it's not. It's a rather I know it does. <laughs> right. I know. Um, Danny, you're with us as well. Thank you for joining us, Danny. Hello. I'm back after a little hiatus with the women's Euros. Yes. I'm back. We might even see from that tonight. We'll see. Anyway, uh, and our special guest tonight is the man behind the Moment of Truth podcast, Simon Clancy. Thank you for joining us, Simon. No worries, gents. Thanks for having me. Brilliant. Um, so, we'll go through what we're going to start with. We've given... Few people, people, a few days to listen to all five episodes that are out so far. Anybody that hasn't listened yet, Simon, where can they find it? Before we go into a bit more detail, where can they find it? So the first five are on the mo- are on the Moment of Truth app. It was on the Deep <laughs> Sounds app, um, and then the next two Thursdays, five more episodes will be released, fifteen in total. And if you don't have the BBC Sounds app and you don't get it, then there are two out currently on all the other podcast podcast platforms, and then one each every week for the next thirteen weeks. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Uh, Danny, if you would like to uh, take over the reins of the show for 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, again, thanks for doing this, Sar. This is oh, no fantastic. Um, but yeah, first question is, what was it like to go behind the scenes and see the things that fans will probably never get to see from our football club? It was amazing, to be honest. It was, um, I mean, it was quite a... Uh, quite a short process, really. We only started speaking to Paul just before Christmas. Um, had a Zoom mm. meeting just before Christmas for about an hour um, and then went to meet him for an hour early January with an idea that we'd start to do it in uh, back end of February, really, because we wanted to catalogue like the last 90 days, the last three months. Um, 
so yeah, it was a, it was an amazing experience. It was, uh, I mean, you don't need me to tell you this, but you have an amazing manager. Um, he's a great person. You've got a great team of players. It's just a really nice family club. I, you know, I, I'm a big Liverpool fan, so uh, apologies for that. Um, but I hadn't ever really, you know, dug into your team, your manager, your players. I obviously knew who Paul was, but um, it was incredibly eye-opening just to see all the stuff that, that nobody really sees going on behind closed doors. Some of which, obviously, we probably couldn't put in the podcast for obvious reasons, but I think 95% of everything that that happened, all the critical moments that you probably remember and maybe something you don't. And, and I think what it will do is that it will just show you the the other side of things. You know, you as fans sitting, listening or watching on TV or at the stadium at home or away. And, you know, maybe you're questioning why player X wasn't in the lineup or what happened or what happened with Freddie Ladapo or all these sorts of things. And I think over the 15 episodes, you'll, you'll get a real clear picture of not only what happened in your season, but also just generally what it's like for Paul and for Carl Robinson, who's the other manager that we that we covered, to to really see what it's like to be a football manager at the at the pretty highest level. Mm, I think you say the thing about uh, Carl Robinson. I found it so interesting that the whole um, how do you describe it? The whole front that he puts on on the sideline is effectively him playing a character, but behind the scenes is a really caring and and very genuine guy, a little bit like Paul Warren is, but he's got that front to him on the sidelines, and it's. I've seen on Twitter it's changed a lot of opinions on Carl yeah. Robinson, yeah. and it's basically what this podcast was about: showing you what they're actually like and the behind-the-scenes things that you don't see. Yeah, I think um, I, we kind of think that you know I wanted to show people that because everybody thinks they know what happens between three and four forty-five on a Saturday and seven forty-five and ten o'clock on a Tuesday. And actually, I mean, I worked at I used to work at the BBC. We run an independent production company now, working for the BBC. But I worked at Five Live. Uh, for, for many years, so I was involved in sport all the time and uh, around, you know, football and elite athletes. And even then, you, you know, you see more than the average fan does. But I think in this position, you just it was it was eye opening to see the stuff that, you know, both managers had to go through that just was unrelated to football in terms of mm. you know, whether that was tickets for the final, the, the, the Papa John's final, whether that was managing egos, whether that's recruitment, whether that was the, you know, as you as you. You'll, you probably heard, I think, in one of the earlier episodes that the war in Ukraine obviously meant that mm. the training camp had to be moved and different locations, Portugal, Spain, Germany were, were on the cards, all the sorts of things that you just don't really think about. You just think it's, oh, you know, people pick a team, pick a few players and away you go. And that's that, that's not mm. like at all. No, absolutely not. <clears throat> like I say, with the war in Ukraine and how all the players were uh, talking about it, especially from um, Oxford's point of view, they seemed to be talking about it whilst they were just stretching on the touchline at the training yeah. ground. It was funny, we, though, going, to, going up to um, to the to the Rotherham training ground, um, most, uh, we probably went once or twice a week minimum, and during the early days of the war, that was all that was on, on the TV screen was the, uh, uh, you know, was the rolling news coverage, and the players were really engaged in it. It wasn't just on for being on sake. They were kind of having chats about it and you know guys like Victor and you know guys who'd come from from other European countries were kind of really engaged in what was happening and there was an interesting discussion about what the ramifications would be and you know again it just sort of shows that that you know footballers aren't just these guys that roll in at nine o'clock hour and a half kicking the ball about then go and play golf for the rest of the day that's that's not you know that's a complete illusion a complete fallacy so and it was interesting to see their conversations yeah, very much so I mean <clears throat> I currently work at Roundwood and they have the discussions in the car park before they go home so if that's if that's what they were having inside, you know, very interesting. Yeah. Um, but Rotherham looked like they were cruising to promotion. You know, it was going to be a very entertaining uh, podcast series for us because 
we were just cruising towards promotion, but then we had that big wobble, um, primarily after um, <clears throat> the Shrewsbury defeat and after uh, Wembley. After we started recording. Was yeah. The... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've always said Rotherham had a flair for the dramatic. Yeah. We've <clears throat> we finally got someone covering our journey in a football league, and then we've gone right. Let's turn the dramatics right up to eleven for the entertainment. Um, but what was the feeling in our camp during that wobble? Was it we could still get this job done, or were they starting to get a bit, you know, tense about yeah, it? It's quite a multi-layered answer, Danny. I think because I mean I was really concerned before we started recording because you guys were nine points clear and I was thinking, God, you know, in terms of drama and journalism, mm. you could have won the title by April and, you know, mm. there's no there's no real story there. Um, and I thought, you know, if you win the title at a canter by 12, 14 points, that's that's no fun for anybody. Um, and so actually the first the first day that we started recording was the day before Shrewsbury away, the nil-nil draw, mm. where Dan, um, Dan's wife went into, um, Dan Barlas's wife went into, uh, or was being induced and then, and then Paul decided to sit Ben and, and Gio and, and Shane, uh, and that sort of difficult second half. And I think, you know, uh, you, you would have heard in the first episode, Paul came out and started talking to me and said, you know, I, I, I am worried. I do feel worried. And it did feel like the team had slightly hit a bit of a wall. They looked tired and they felt a bit leggy. Um, and, What's so fascinating, I think, as the next 10 episodes come out, you'll see is that very much in the mainstream media, whether that was, you know, the local Radio Sheffield or whether that was with the, the newspapers, Paul was very much putting on a front. He was also very much putting on a front to, to the players. You know, it, it was, um, as he refers to it, it was like face of a clown. That He has to always be smiling, always be happy. And then he would come out and talk to us and be like, this is... This is not good. This is, you know, I'm really worried. I'm concerned. I'm, you know, and you'll hear in the next set of five that come out next Thursday, you know, Portsmouth away was one of the darkest kind of, I mean, it was weird for me actually, because, you know, when I first started, I wanted Rotherham and Oxford to meet in the, uh, in the final at Wembley. Cause I thought that would be the ultimate drama. And actually, as you get to, to know these people and you get to like them and you, you know, you get, to, you, you obviously remain a journalistic distance. You try and remain professional, but you're spending so much time with these people and their families and their friends. You learn to care about these people and, you know, see Paul as you're here, see Paul suffering so much after the Portsmouth game specifically. And then the morning of the Ipswich game was, was hard, was hard to do. So, um, so yeah, what went on behind the scenes was very much, uh, Paul made the, um, I think he made the analogy that, you know, he wants to come across as a swan, you know, light paddling movements on the water, but actually he was a Labrador mm. splashing around with slobber all over the place. And, uh, <laughs> so, and I think, you know, that was, it, it was controlled Labrador slobber. But, you know, <laughs> I, I think part of the problem as well is that you just, you know, you don't know what to do. You don't know how to fix it. And I think sometimes, and I, I really admired that part of, of Paul and Richie and, and Andy and Hammy being able to, you know, as you'll hear in the next few episodes, hold their hands up and say, look, we, we, we don't necessarily have an answer. We're just going to have to kind of go back to the basics and keep doing what we're doing. Keep the Keeping the team together was the most important part of that. Mm. And they did that so mm. spectacularly well. Um, you know, and I think that was just so vital that there were no, you know, I know there were some issues with Freddie, you know, down the stretch, but generally everybody, you know, it didn't matter what day, it didn't matter whether it was after Burton, or it didn't matter if it was after Charlton, it didn't matter if it was after 3-0 at Shrewsbury, you know, we went, we went to the um we went on the monday after the shrewsbury defeat and the guys were exactly the same everybody you know there were, you wouldn't have known that all of a sudden you, the wheels had started to come off in your season um you know players were still happy that the atmosphere was still great and i think that's testament to the management team they just were able to keep the guys on the straight and narrow and 
you know, keep everybody together and and they got over the line. Mm. Yeah, thankfully, as well in spectacular fashion with uh, George's goal at Gillingham. Yeah. I, I tell you, I'm looking forward to that episode. Yeah, I've had <laughs> I've had enough emotion with um, just little snippets of commentary from the Hartlepool game and the game yeah. at Wembley. I mean, you can't, you know, for, from my point of view, you couldn't have written that any, mm. you know, a guy that's never played a single minute. You know, you're, <laughs> under, you're under, away at Gillingham. You know, the atmosphere, and I was most of the game, or almost all of the games, apart from at Wembley, I was either sat on the bench or sat next to the bench or sat behind the bench. So. And the atmosphere around the, the away bench was toxic that day, you know, because Gillingham were obviously going down to, to mm. the they lost. And so, you know, there were a lot of guys, it was hot. There was a lot of men of a certain age sat around the bench who were very unhappy about what was happening. And then, you know, as you're here, and I don't actually know if this is public knowledge, but something happened at training the day before, um, which meant that Georgie essentially played, which you'll hear in episode four. 14. Um, but I was sat next to Mikhail Miller and Angus and Will Grigg and Josh uh, Vickers behind the bench when Paul decided to shout for Georgie to come over. Uh, and all of them were like, what, what, you know, why are we not putting JJ on? What, what, what's happening here? Mm. And obviously for, for five or six minutes, Georgie looked like somebody who hadn't played football for five or six months. Yeah. You know? mm. and, then, and what was really funny was that we were all sat there, the, the five of us, and as, as Chio won the ball back and laid it inside to Georgie, everybody was like, no, don't shoot, don't take a touch. Take a touch. You know, it was, that it. <laughs> it was like, do, do not shoot. Brilliant goal. I knew each other. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, and it, you know, it's hard for, you know, it's hard for me not to celebrate like a fan because like I said, you know, these are people, whether that was Josh or Mikel or, you know, Chappie or, or Geordie or whoever it was, you know, these are people that you just spent so much time with and you get to know and you get to care about and you have a laugh with. So to see the relief, and that was the critical thing. The, the, the biggest word I think you'll find out of this whole series is relief. They, nobody really cares, whether that was Oxford or Rotherham. Nobody was, not cares, but nobody was overly happy at victory. Victory lasts 10 minutes mm. Mm. straight into the game on Tuesday or straight into the game on Saturday. And it's just relief. And as Paul said, it's it's the fact that you just didn't let anybody down. You didn't let the town down on that one day. And, and you know, for all the heartache and struggle and disappointment and upset and long hours and all the things that you'll hear over the next 10 episodes and the, that, that you've heard in the first five, I think what you'll find is, you know, you, you wonder why people put themselves through it when all they're getting is just a brief bit of joy and then a bit of relief. Mm -hmm. And but it's like, as Carl said, it's an obsession slash addiction and, you know, these guys are really good at it as well. And that's the thing that people, I think, often forget. You know, it doesn't matter if you're Jurgen Klopp or, you know, you're, you're managing the bottom team in League Two. They're there for a reason. They're, they're good managers having to deal with all sorts. And, you know, I hope that comes across with, with Paul and Carl. Mm. Mm. Um, what was one thing that surprised you the most about your time with Rotherham and Oxford as well? We'll chuck Oxford in as well. What was the <laughs> that surprised me most? I think the relief thing that I just mentioned was, was a surprise. Just how... Just how never-ending it is, you know. Like Paul's mobile, Carl's mobile, just ringing all the time, or text messages, or can you come to this meeting, or can you do that, or can you do this, or can you do that, and you know, and the things that you just don't, you know. It's there was a day I can't remember which day it was, but there was a day where, and I wrote it in the script, but it's, his office was essentially like a doctor's office. It was literally he and I were sat in there, and, and with Liam, who was a sound engineer. Um, who was um, miking everybody up and 
literally the door would, you know, there'd be a knock at the door and in would come Stephen Gilpin. And then, you know, it was, you know, Ben Wiles has got his knees blown up and, you know, he needs to get, we need to get some something drained off. And it knock at the door then, it was one of the physios going, smudges his groin, he's in a bad state, he can't, he can't train. Next person going out, then knock at the door. And it was just that relentless kind of, you know, five, six, seven people coming in. You're trying to have a conversation. And, you know, and it was great mm. for us because there were all these things that were happening all the time that, you know, contributed to the, just showing what it was like but for, for the manager it just must be like you know impossible to get anything done so i think that was a real surprise um what else were other surprises just i i think just the unity of both teams i think i think also seeing how um carl is very much a coach he's very much hands-on in, like incredibly hands-on in trading so he has Three other coaches: Wayne Brown, the goalkeeping coach; Craig Shaw, obviously the former Everton Blackburn defender, and Leon Black, uh, Leon Blackmore, such um, who's with the youth team and, and came up through the ranks. And, and and Carl very much takes training all the time, whether that's pattern of play or all those sorts of things. Whereas with Paul, Richie takes a lot of training. Hammy does set pieces and those sorts of things. Obviously, Andy's working with with Chappie and Josh and with Victor. Paul is obviously very involved in training and how things work, mm. but he's also that he's quite CEO, I think, you know, he's wandering around, he's chatting to people, he's, you know, I'd run through a wall for Paul, you know, you sit in some of that and you'll hear later on, you know, in, in the episodes to come, some of the, the pre-game speeches, some of the full-time speeches, um, you'll hear some of the things he says and you think, God, you know, I wanted Eric to give me a kit so I'd go out and play, it was, you know, <laughs> so, um, you know, I almost thought I'd bring my boots for one of the games, so, um, so yeah, I think that was a, that was a surprise, just how... You know, two football clubs in the same league that were very similar, had loads of similarities, but lots of very key, important differences that worked for them. It wasn't that one was better than the other, mm. that, you know, those those things worked for, for Rotherham and the things that Carl did work for Oxford. So, what was your favourite game to be a part of in and around the squads? Um, what were well, I mean, Gillingham obviously was pretty special. Um, I think actually Sunderland, and I think when you when you get to the, that episode, I think Sunderland was the night I knew you guys were going up. Um, mm. I think the game against Oxford was massive, and obviously professionally, that was such an interesting game because as you'll hear, the way that I've edited it is I literally just cut from from Carl to Paul, from Carl to Paul, Carl to Paul all the time. So when you hear in the game, so for example, I don't know if you remember, but early on in that game. Um, Woody gets gets pulled over by Luke McNally, and the, there's a big mm. question mark as to whether it's a penalty or not. And obviously, you know, the, I wind the commentary through it, so you'll hear the commentators say it was a penalty. They think, think it's a penalty. You hear Paul say to the fourth official, you know, well, that, that's surely that's a penalty. And then you hear Carl go, never a penalty, never. So you, you have that kind of you have real chaos. But there are times in the second half where you'll, you'll hear Paul when you when you score the penalty. Paul going now, you know, we need to slow it down. And he comes straight to Carl, who says at the same time, God, this lot know how to slow it down. And so it's really interesting to see the two sides of the same coin. But also at half time, obviously, when Reg scored right before half time, mm-hmm. you, know, you go in and, you know, your boys are buoyant. You know, there's a lot of noise in your dressing room. Whereas in the Oxford dressing room, even though it's one all, it feels like they've, you know, they're 2 1 down or 3 1 down because the atmosphere is incredibly different. And you'll hear that. And then also at full time, obviously, buoyant in your dressing room and, you know, there were players, I mean, we don't name them and I wouldn't name them, but there were a couple of players in tears in the Oxford dressing room. And the silence is is deafening. It's, you can tell that there's an, you know, there is no noise, but you can tell there's a room of 20 people incredibly upset. But I think the Sunderland game, I think we turned up at Sunderland and we're in the dressing room with um, 
with Eric, uh, the kit man beforehand, and, and the team arrived, and there was just a different feeling. It was a different atmosphere. Paul was much lighter. Everything about that night felt like they knew they were going up. They played really well, and it felt like they were over the hump. Um, but again, even at full time, you know, Paul Paul likes to give the players a couple of minutes. He has a little chat with the with the with Richie and Hammy and Andy, and then goes in and talks to the guys at all the other games. And on this occasion, he literally just went straight in with a sort of post match team talk. It was really buoyant. Tried to lift the lads because they were disappointed when Icky scored the equal results because they're three minutes away from you know from pretty much guaranteed promotion. Uh, especially with Wigan losing to, to Portsmouth that night. But, um, you know, he's really buoyant. And he's, there's a line, he says, you know, if you get on the bus and you've got a, you know, you, you're not smiling, I'm going to knock you out. And, uh, you know, and he's got, you know, typical Paul. At the end, he's sort of like, he goes, you know, let's go Team America. Woo! And then he walks out of the dressing room and he comes over to me and I'm back outside now. I've walked outside and he just walks up to me. The stadium's empty. And he's just, he, I mean, he's absolutely devastated. But he's hidden that devastation mm. from, from the players because... You know, he knows that there's four days, one more massive effort against Gilligan. But he comes out and he's literally like, you know, and he swears and then he'd be like, you know, who would be a football manager? You know, who would be a football manager? Who would put themselves through this? Um, but I knew that night you were going up and, um, you know, I was, <laughs> luckily I was proved right. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Oh, I'll always remember Oxford because as soon as a full-time whistle went, Victor turned around and jumped straight into the crowd exactly I'm where kidding. exactly where I was as well. It's like, and uh, we went for something to eat. Yeah, Victor's fantastic. We went for uh, something to eat with him and his... It was, was it his dad and his uncle and one of their mm-hmm. mates? And his family came to visit him and they called us, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, were they, were, they, were, they were lovely. Yeah, the goal... I mean, to be fair, all the players were great. There were some that were... Kind of didn't particularly want to be involved necessarily, but were always really nice fist bumps, high fives, all that sort of thing. But you know, there were seven or eight who were absolutely wonderful, um, and the two keepers were were great, great personalities. Very Victor's an absolute madman. Like I was saying to you just before we started off um, off mic, I um I went to Croatia with the with the team, um, and they we, we um i mean the guys were just training so unbelievably hard i'm not just saying that they were you know they were absolutely exhausted and the heat was you know it was really hot and they were doing double sessions just insane amounts of running and you know having to wear you know those the water suits and stuff just to keep their temperatures down and um you know and it was great to see them it was great to see them having not seen them for six weeks but it was also just great to see how hard they were working but at the end of a second session on a one of the days they where they were staying the hotel was quite near the sea just a little walk down to the sea and um the hotel had sort of a, a an inflatable assault course about 100 yards out to sea and um so some of the players and obviously the coaching staff and the the backroom staff were obviously kind of well up for that. and it was probably about six o'clock now because they'd had like i said i mean they were up at sort of 6 30 6 45 for a 5k run like a full not just a little jog around the park it was a proper full ball run bit of breakfast training a little bit of rehab and relaxation time, longer training session in the afternoon, and then um, food in the evening, and then early early to bed. But they had a, an hour on the inflatables, and um, yeah, Victor's an absolute bad man, just you know, diving <laughs> off everywhere, diving into people. Um, <laughs> much like he plays, much like he plays in goal, he's you know he's all action all the time, but he's a he's a great guy. Mm. Yeah, he is. We love him. Yeah. Um, Anybody else? Before let Simon go, does anybody else want to ask in a Simon? Anything? Thank you for doing this. Thank you oh, for every episode. Of the moment of truth is brilliant. 
there's a couple of things for me. There's, there's two key things come out of this for me, two key moments so far out of the first episodes. And the first one is, is, is now I feel incredibly guilty. It's made me feel hugely guilty because I've been a massive critic of Carl Robinson over the years. Um, and I can't remember which episode it is where, where Carl Robinson discusses his personality and how he's developed as a manager over the years. And he talks about his arrogance and his, you know, his ego and everything else. And, and it's in, as a football supporter, that's what I remember. That's the person that I remember, the, the arrogant, full of himself, you know, sort of not, not a likeable character. And, and I think character is probably the right word, isn't it, really? Because it's yeah, clearly is. not him. Um, and so I, I am quite disappointed. Disappointed is not the right word. I, 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 I do really like him. I really enjoy spending time in his company and, and you heard a little bit of his mum, but there's a lot more of his mum to come and his wife and his daughter Jasmine. And there's a very emotional episode towards the sort of middle back end, about episode 10 or 11. Um, but yeah, he's very open. Um, mm. He's very honest. Um, and what I really liked about him, apart from the openness and the honesty, I think was just that nothing was ever off the table with Carl in terms of discussions and conversations. But And I don't know if it's in one of the five episodes that's come out or if it's in the the early it's certainly early on but we go to either Morecambe or Fleetwood it might be Easter Friday and he says um I said to him um oh so he he wears a he wore a salmon pink Nike hoodie on this day and um there was a group of of Morecambe or Fleetwood fans whichever whichever game it was behind the away bench there's about 15 of them they've clearly been going since they were kids because they all knew each other everybody knew them they're about 60 65 nice guys but kind of they were just absolutely hammering carl in a nice way not in a you know hmm. about this pink sweatshirt that he had on <laughs> um and after the game i said to him or maybe it was before the game and they started hammering before the game and i said to him you know how do you deal with things like that and he's like it's fine that's part of the game he said but you know my job obviously as a manager to to uh, is to do tactics and uh, and get people playing and get people up for the game he says but if i need to start an argument on the touchline if i need to get into somebody if i need to have a fight with somebody if i need to have a you know get in the fourth official's face or get in the opposing manager's face just to create a spark i don't mean it but what i'm trying to do if my team is one nil down i won't hesitate to create a situation which makes my lads turn around and think well the gaffers you know we, we need the gaffers mm -hmm. fired up we need to and I found that really interesting that that was a situation that he would do. And he said, you know, I've done it on a number of occasions and it's worked, you know, that players mm -hmm. have just sort of thought, wow, the gaffer's getting into it. I need to raise my game and and go and score. So, I mean, he does, um, you, you, you've probably heard bits of it in the, in the promo mm -hmm. and in the opening episode, the, the halftime at Portsmouth where Paul um, starts shouting and that, that goes on for a, six and a half seven minutes i think he says the f word 49 times i think <laughs> that's, not a joke. that's not even a joke wow and then richie takes over and yeah the, um, as paul says uh, in one of the episodes he lets the dog out on them um but there's an episode so the mk dons oxford game uh, oxford had to win their last three games and they had mk dons at home obviously carl used to be the mk manager mm. Half time. I mean, it's even worse than the than, than Paul at Portsmouth in terms of how he rips into this team, and they come out in the second half and they, you know, and he makes a really good tactical change and a, and a perfect sub brings Billy Bowden on and, and Bowden grabs the winner with six or seven minutes to go. And it's, mm. you know, it's those sorts of things that you you know you never see as uh, as as fans or members of the public or mm. even journalists really because you're never really allowed in behind the curtain. So, 
so yeah, no, he was great. He was um, just, you know, both both teams were exemplary in terms of I, I, they never said no to a single thing I asked. Whether that was, you know, can I? I mean, Carl took us into his daughter's school and got her out of the lessons so that we could talk to her. And um, there was nothing that we couldn't do, whether that was driving mum to Fleetwood on Easter Friday or hanging out with his mum and dad at a pub after a game or all those sorts of things. And it was the same with Paul, whether that was with Rachel or or the kids or, or anything like that. We were we were not denied a single thing. And I think, and I hope that comes through in terms of just the that fly on the wallness that um, I hope we captured. Absolutely, absolutely. The other, the only other thing I would say, the, the most, the most difficult listen for me was uh, the Paul Warner and Angus that he wasn't playing at Wembley. That for me was was heartbreaking, um, because obviously as fans we all know what Angus has been through. We know he, he missed the season, missed virtually the whole of last season through one reason or another, um, and then he gets sent off in the Shrewsbury game, which was a horrendous decision, an absolutely horrendous decision. And that, that ended his career at Rotherham United, that decision. Um, yeah. and obviously, being told that he's not going to be on the bench at Wembley, I can't imagine, one, how difficult that must have been for Paul Warren, and two, how difficult it must have been for, for Angus to, to take. Yeah, he's um, a lovely guy, Angus. I don't know if you guys know him at all, but a really, really nice guy. He was so generous with his time and friendly and... And, um, and what was quite funny was that the very first day that I went in with Liam, the, the sound guy, that was the 28th of Feb, the day before the Shrewsbury game. And, and Paul introduced us to the team, who all just looked at us, like stared. Kind of, nobody said hello, nobody went, looked away. And obviously, Angus has got you know the hair at the side and sort of swished his hair back. And I was like, oh, God, you know, this is going to be a tough old three months. If uh, <laughs> He was an absolute gent, just such a lovely guy. And I, I, I felt, and what was interesting was that you heard the conversation where Paul and I walked around the hotel grounds, mm. which was in that episode. That that walk probably lasted an hour and a half, maybe. And I obviously, you know, obviously had to cut it, but but just tried to get across the emotion. And Paul was really, really struggling, really mm. struggling with the decision. Whether that was with Angus and obviously knowing what Angus had been through. Even with Georgie, who'd obviously just joined the team, you know, Georgie had trained well and was starting to look like a bit of a player, and obviously coming off the injury that he'd suffered before the Irish Cup final. Um, obviously with T, you know, he very he's very close to T um, in terms of, you know, T growing up around Wembley and, and not being able to play that day was, he, he found that decision incredibly difficult. Paul's an emotional guy and, you know, that was hard to watch. It was hard to watch. And all the guys took it really well. Angus took it really well. Um, or as well as you can take it. And and when he does that with Angus and you hear it and he, there's a door closes and he walks, he walks up the stairs and into another room where he's gathered all the team together and the guys have got back in and he plays that Cortina song, 19. And Paul's always so keen to tell players that, you know, your career's over in a flash. You don't, you don't realise your career's over so quickly. And at the end of it, obviously, he says, you know, if you're comfortable, go around and give everybody a hug, which is what happened. And and he'd made sure that we were integrated into the team, that we weren't on the outside. So he wanted us to integrate with the players as much as possible. And so we were obviously hugging the players. The players were coming to hug us. And Angus came over and hugged me. And, uh, and I said, look, I'm really sorry, mate. Because I'd, I'd known, obviously, the night before that Angus wasn't going yeah. to be picked. And he just like he just held on to me and, you know, just maybe for a second longer. And, I, I you know, you could tell that he was quite emotional. But he didn't let that emotion show to the point where it affected his friends and his teammates mm -hmm. and that team was there to support and actually you know seeing him at full time and seeing him after the game 
that disappointment had disappeared and he was mm. you know he was hugging woody and he was jumping up and down with wazi and uh, and that was great to see and i think that's that goes back to the point i made right at the top which was that paul just did an amazing job of keeping the unit together when they could have fallen apart you know because um you know results weren't quite going their way but team unity was massive and i think the senior leaders in that team whether that was woody or or wazi even though he's young but you know he has an important role to play in that team angus obviously very important but everybody just pulling for one another. It's clear that everybody really likes each other on that team. And I think that, you know, I think that comes across in the way that you play. Um, and I think it comes across in the way that the management deal with them. So, so yeah, it was a really emotional moment, I think, for Paul and for Angus. And, um, and I think it was for the team as well, because obviously he's really well liked too. Mm. Yeah. Um, brilliant. This has been brilliant, Si. Uh, finally, before we let you go, just remind everybody if everybody's joined us later, where can we get the podcast and when is it so, out? The first five are up now on BBC Sounds. Uh, if you don't have a BBC Sounds app, then the first two are available on your regular podcast podcast platforms, whether Spotify or or the one that you get on your iPhone, etc. Um, and then every Thursday on BBC Sounds for the next two weeks, five more come out um, this Thursday coming, and then five the final five, which includes the Oxford game, the Sunderland run up, the Sunderland game, and then the build up to Gillingham and the build up and the Gillingham game. Um, they come out the following Thursday, which I think is two days before the season starts. And if you don't have a BBC Sounds app, uh, there's one released every week on your normal po podcast platform for the next 13 weeks. Brilliant. First of all, thank you for doing the podcast. I really enjoyed it so far. I can't wait for some of these ones. And thank you for giving us half an hour of time tonight. Oh, uh, any time. If you want to come back at the end, you want to have a big old, uh, you know, one that all 15 are out, I'm more than happy to come back and we can reflect on some of the things you probably will have heard and questions that you'll have. So I'm more than happy to do you want. So. That's a good idea. Yeah. That's yeah, fantastic. Thank you very much, Brill. Pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, Simon, thank you. Always, my pleasure, Cheers, mate. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank Cheers, you. Si. So that's brilliant. Thanks for Si for taking his time there. Um, yeah, we'll cover those as as the episodes come out later on in the week. Weeks we'll talk. I, to I still Simon think we need we need to do a, a swear counter for Portsmouth uh, <laughs> game. We, we, we need Boy, to play that, that. We need to play that seven minute clip on the podcast and just have it keep hanging. <laughs> we can't we don't swear on this podcast very often uh, <laughs> um yeah that was brilliant we uh we'll maybe get some more questions next time it comes we'll get some more maybe ask some fans questions we, we didn't uh but yeah anyway 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 mm. thank you all for joining us i hope you've enjoyed the first half an hour of the episode because i have uh, some really yeah, fascinating, fascinating moments there and some more fascinating moments to come by the sounds of it as well mm. um yeah, Chile Herald Stone says, right, we're really looking forward to the next two Thursdays. And that's mm. just because New York Talk will be on. Nothing to do with the moment. So let's you know, talk about the elephant in the room. Danny, how was your Saturday? Yeah, it was great. Um, <laughs> it, it, it was warm. Um, it very was warm. Very warm. Yeah. Um, we had this um, little thing to do with um, our charity match that we played. And uh, and as you can see, it is adorned in red tape. So the red team won. We won three one. Get him. Um, but the the day overall was absolutely fantastic. The amount of, um, of things that people chipped in with, like we had gazebo tents. Uh, Reese Collock's mum Lou put in a fantastic shift to keep everything running whilst the game was going on. So she deserves a massive amount of respect. And admiration for the hard work she's done. Everybody who did anything to help out with that event was fantastic. Grace Kelly bringing her prints to sell off for the hospice as well. 
uh, Nina Radcliffe running her little section as well. And just everybody who's chipped in and everybody who came, thank you very, very much for letting it happen effectively. Uh, thanks to Will Barber for refing the game and agreeing to ref it. We'll come on to one of his decisions in a little bit. Um, um, but yeah, and, and then thank you to everybody who uh, said they'd play and uh, who did play. Um, and hopefully we can make it an annual thing and hopefully next year is even bigger. So I want to thank you very much. We haven't counted the total raised yet, but we are planning on doing a, uh, a check handover picture with both squads. And then hopefully a picture of the winning team with the representative from the hospice with the trophy in hand as well. And then the hospice will be looking after this until next year. So hopefully they find a nice spot for it in their reception or wherever they like to put it. And um, hopefully it brings in even more interest saying, oh, what's that? Oh, it's this that we started doing. But yeah, fantastic day. Thank you very, very much to everybody. Yeah. So yeah, I understand there's a complaint about refereeing decision. Let's move on to that then. <laughs> Well, John, is there a Mick rant in on this one? I don't know. <laughs> well, shall I shall I tell my side of it first, Mick, or do you want to go go in no, with you your view from the side? Go on. Right. So, for the game, unfortunately, we couldn't get people to run lines because uh, there wasn't anybody available on the day due to various situations. Um, so, Will had to sort of make the decision there and then, um, and. The, the one time I was I actually scored, it were a beautiful goal, uh, beautiful pass across uh, the pitch from my mate Jed, from my mate Wilco. He then played the ball into me, and I, and I I held my run on the last defender, so the ball went behind the last defender, and I've held my run, gone to the ball and finished it, and Will's blown it for offside, and I was absolutely fuming. I was thinking, I was thinking, no, he's denying me of donating a tenner to the hospice, the bugger. <laughs> um, but yeah, everyone came up to me afterwards and said it was never offside, Danny. You should, you should have had that goal. But no. Mick, anything to add on that side? No, they were offside. Yeah, <laughs> 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 uh, you, Mick, you and Ben went. Yeah, as well. Yesterday I was available, but you two went. How how did you? I assume you enjoyed it very much as well. Yeah, it was good. Uh, it was good. Nice weather. Nice people. Good football match. Can't go wrong. Pretty much sums it up, that doesn't it? Really? Yeah. Depends. Yeah. Some things up sometimes. Yeah, it was good. It was good. Got to meet some meet some people that uh, we obviously met on here. Um, so yeah, it was great. Really enjoyed it. Really good day. And uh, like Danny says, hopefully if we can uh, build on it for next year and and, and keep going with it, it's uh, it's great. And it's obviously for an absolutely wonderful cause. So hmm. yeah, well done, Danny. We also had. Um, we also had. Thank you. We also had. Um, some things donated by John Breckin for us to auction off. Oh. I'm not sure when the auction's going to be on. Uh, we'll just keep an eye on socials, on Facebook and such. He's very kindly donated a signed football from the Rotherham squad and then a signed boxing glove from Kelbrook, I believe it is. Wow. Um, so, yeah, they'll be up for auction soon to raise a little bit more money. Uh, unfortunately, John couldn't stick around for the whole game because he had to go down to Mansfield. Um, our game were better, so you know, <laughs> he missed out. <laughs> but yeah, but again, thanks to John Brackin for coming down and donating those prizes. It was great to have him there. Mm. Brilliant, 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 brilliant. Right, um, shall we move on? Let's talk about Rotherham United because there's been comments and complaints. I would say not about us, but some are about us. But let's move on really? to other parts. Yeah, about us? Don't worry about it. Oh, please, come on. 
<laughs> Don't worry about it. Um, so, Ian Bradley, staying right with Ian Bradley, which says, right, guys, recruitment. Anybody worried yet? Obviously, Danny, nope. you've missed a couple of episodes because of one thing or another. Uh, makes me very passionate in his... Uh, I wouldn't say defence of the recruitment team because I don't think the actual recruitment team are a question. It's the question of getting bodies through the door. Um, but we're 13 days ahead of the new season. Um, how are you feeling about the squad? The squad players that we have in terms of uh, the names, but also the number as well. I'm chill about it, mate. To be fair, not not fussed at all. Um, I think that might slightly come from the fact I see how hard the lads are working in training. Um, granted, it's only a little peak because whenever we drive past the the the, uh, the hole that borders the training pitch, just have a cheeky look in, see how they're getting on. Um, but no, I, I'm not worried at all. I think I can understand why people are worried. You know, we are a little bit short on numbers, and by the sounds of it, the last fortnight hasn't exactly gone to plan in terms of getting new players in. Um, but for me, that's just what happens in football. You can't dictate to someone which football club they should choose to play for. It's their decision. Mm. If we haven't offered what they were exactly looking for or decided on somewhere else, then it's their decision. You can't uh, dwell on it. You just have to go on to your next target. As I mentioned on the podcast before, there's at least 10 targets on a bit of paper that Paul Warren's looking at. It's not necessarily got a descending order in quality of player. It's just who they think will be number one fit. And then if it's not him, etc., etc. Um, but yeah, in terms of players we've got already, I'm also not worried. I mean, there's no marquee names per se in that, but that's just how we roll. We don't really sign marquee players. The most recent one was Will Grigg, and it was only on loan from Sunderland because Sunderland didn't want him and it fitted the system that we wanted. Other than that, we don't have marquee players. Um, but from seeing how Georgie played against Salford in terms of his movement as a striker, he's come on a lot from last season, a lot. He has put a shift in. And um, I think Georgie's going to do well this season. I think he'll be involved a lot more involved than people give him credit for at the minute. Um, his link-up with Connor Washington seems to be doing well. Whenever those two play either side of each other, they play really well. I know it are only against Parkgate, but again, they were very good together. Um, Tommy is going to be back soon, so that's a plus. Granted, he hasn't been playing, but he has been at the training ground. Um, and then it was just unfortunate to hear about JJ against Mansfield. That's very unfortunate, but that might ramp up the pursuit of another striker because we'll have, we'll have to get it in the door now. Um, in terms of other positions, maybe a bit more in defence. Potentially, I'm not overly worried with defence, you know, because we've got McCart coming back soon. Uh, Humphreys has looked very good. Um, a lot of people are giving Woody stick for being the old man in defence. I <laughs> really don't understand that. No. Uh, and then we've got the young Dutch lad as well, who people started calling Nigel Van Dyke, which is quite funny. <laughs> um, and if we need defenders and we've got him on trail, then it more than nailed on that he will sign. Because um, he's been, again, he's been at the training ground. He's built up a good bond with, I believe, Talaji. Um and uh, the one bit of news I can report from the training ground is that J. Cole likes my dog. <laughs> we took him for a little walk around the car park and, you know, when someone just spots the dog and goes, oh, like that. <laughs> did that. So the smallest dog in the world with Finn is liked by six foot seven J. Cole. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like it. Uh, Tommy, Power Man UK says Tommy's out for, out for around four weeks. 
Uh, I don't know if that's from now, actually, or whether it was four weeks from injury. Um, I was I was unclear from what Paul once said, but anyway, um, let's pick on the pick up on the Richard Wood, th- Wood thing, Ben, like Danny mentions it. I have said this again, and I, and I know we get it every year, and we've been guilty of this in the in, in the past about saying maybe times up for Woody, but why? Because we've we've got a system of back three which we know is perfect for him. It's perfect for him. If by his own admission, if he weren't playing in three, he probably would struggle. He says, I said that on on the podcast last year. This back three protects him. And you've got young lads like Cameron Humphreys and McCarter, who are a bit more mobile than Woody. I don't understand the clamour for Woody. Oh, yeah, he will play 46 games. But that's fine. He's still going to be a huge player for us. It's because he's... How old is he? He's 35? 37 now. 37 now. 37. It is because people just don't jump on the stereotype that when someone gets old, they're not very good at football anymore. Mm. Which is... I mean, Cristiano Ronaldo, Ibrahimovic... We can the list goes on. Thiago Silva. And I'm not comparing. I'm not saying Richard Woods or as good as them. But there's just some, some stereotype that people get worse at football, and that is mm. true in some cases. But in some cases, it's not because your athletic ability might decline a little bit, but your mentals. You've been. I don't know how long he's been playing football now. Probably 30 years. <laughs> uh, obviously not professionally, but I mean like yeah. overall, it's 30 years. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> That's nearly double my life lifetime. So the the it's just uncalled for. People just want something to complain about and they see that he's old and they think that he's not been very good, but keep him in there because he's the one person that knows the club in and out, knows the system in and out, knows Paul Warren in and out. It, it's just stupid to get rid of him. It is stupid. Mm. Um two points. Bowman UK says you're right, Ben. Wood is better than Ronaldo. Um <laughs> And Will Roebuck, uh, we looked lost without Woody in the back three last season at times, and now people uh, says nowhere in the team frame after a summer break. Strange. Yeah. And Ben Brightley points out people get into a certain age, but you look at certain players who went who went on to play at 40-year-old. Teddy Sheringham, as a perfect example, went on to have a brilliant career past 40. Kevin Phillips, I know these are different positions. The the if, if you've got the head for it and you never had the pace in the first place, Woody never really did. What is really, other than a little bit of reaction time, which is probably quite minimal, what really are you losing out? Would he, he could play for another couple of years, probably potentially, if he wants it. I'm sure he will play for another couple of years, whether it, whether it's for us or whether it's a championship level is another matter. But it brings a huge amount of experience, a huge amount of experience, um, and and whatever job it is that you do, you know, you can train as much as you like, you can you can be taught as much as you like how to do a job. There is zero substitute for having experience in doing that job. Um, none. Um, you know, like I say, you can train as much as you want. So, yeah, I don't. I can't see him playing thirty-six games this season. I can't see him playing above maybe 30, 35, 30 games, probably tops. However, having him in and around the squad for the rest of those, and when he is playing, it just brings so much experience, so much leadership to that team. Um, so he goes when he goes when he's when he's when he he and the management team decide that he's not up to scratch anymore, then I'm sure he'll step down. But at the moment, there is absolutely no reason whatsoever in my mind why he should, mm. none at all. But yeah. everybody's got a different opinion, haven't they? You know, um, so but for me, also to add into that, from 
for me, you've got Cameron Humphries, who's coming back to English football for the first time in a few years. First time in professional mm. football and senior football in England. Jamie McCart, who's coming down from Scotland his first season at senior football in England. Mm. Uh, if, if we sign this young, young lad from Wolves on, on loan, you've got another young lad who's never, not ever played senior football in England. You, mm. you look at, I, I personally think that Woody had a huge impact on Icky. So this is the yeah. impact it can have on these players going forward, I personally think, anyway. Um, Absolutely, and and to be fair, Matt, neither of those two are going to be. Well, maybe Humphreys might be a starter if the lad from Wolf signs. Don't forget, there's Wes Hardy in there, who's an experienced, who is now an experienced central defender. You know, Jamie McCart, whilst he's not experienced at this level, and he's only what is he, 24, 25, he's still an experienced mm. central defender. You know, it's not as though we're lacking, and we're not lacking anything in that department. Just maybe a little bit of backup, I think, really, more than anything else. I yeah. think, anyway. Yeah. Um, John Morales says, certain positions suit all the players. The issue he sees is for teams will target Woody with pace, as every club in this league seems to have pace. Yeah. yeah. But that's where yeah. the three at the back helps cover Woody. So yeah. the, it's very And difficult. having Victor in net. Having Victor in net and, and Vickers were both very happy to come out and clear it out. I don't know how quick Humphreys is, but I don't think he's very slow. Um, so you've got that pace to sort of cover Woody if he ever does get caught out. The systems, if we were playing four at back, I don't think Woody would be playing. No, he won't, get a look it, in, he won't get a look in, but because the three at the back, it allows Woody to play and it protects Woody to allow Woody to do the good things he's good at. If that's sort of now, so Woody lock quite a lot in a short space of time, then. Um, but you get what I'm trying to say. It's interesting that you point out Humphrey is, um, because we spoke to, um, someone who knows Belgian football a lot better than we do. Um, and he said that Humphreys wasn't at his best when they had a very young back line. Mm. But as soon as he brought in the experienced centre-half, he played a lot better. Um, and that might be one of the reasons why we've looked at signing him. Um, and then, like you say, that he is a, a lot quicker, Humphreys. He is a very quick centre-half, more of a more modern centre-half, really, isn't he? Mm. Uh, more of a sweeping centre-half. And... Prime example is when Woody got caught out with uh, George Hurst at Portsmouth. I think if we'd have had someone uh, a Humphreys uh, pace, um, look, look, looking more after the back line, I don't think they would have scored in that situation because you would have had that defensive cover. But because Icky is of a similar ilk to Woody in terms of not being your quote unquote pacey centre back, you know, you know, you know what I'm trying to say. I think I mean, Humphreys will suit Woody's game. And provide more cover than people give him credit for. Um, and one final note: stop stressing that the season starts in two weeks because the window doesn't shut in two weeks. It shuts at the end of August. We've got until the end of August to effectively finalise our squad. Yeah, it would be good to have a solid squad before the start of the season, but we've got an extra month to tweak it where we can. Um, and so that, that's another reason why I'm not stressed. Not stressed at all. Yeah. I agree, and, and, and I, I seem to recall if we go back twelve months um, to the players arrive, that arrived in the, this part of the season. This time last season, thirteen days from the start of the season, we were having the exact same conversations about bringing people in. And then a week later, we brought in Adolf and we brought in Rathburn. I think Reg might have come in sorry, a little bit later. Will Grigg come on and try to come out on deadline day. This is how this club works, which we talked about last episode. We're not going over it again, but we know our place in the in the pecking order. <laughs> And, and, the, and the food cycle of the transfer market. Got to wait sometimes. You have got to wait. Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with the players we've got. I think we've got a fairly... I'm quite happy with the players that we've got. The 11, 11 or 12, 13... 
again, I'm saying something I think I said 12 months ago. The 14 players we've got who are in the first team are ready. They're good. They're set to go. They're good enough. You just need extras on top of them. Uh, and I have no doubt that we'll get them in. But... And I think that's where the 506 number comes from because we we need a, a technically a bigger squad because there's more subs being used now. However, for us to have a bigger squad, it still has to factor in financial fair play and that's why we're not offering thousands and thousands to players because of financial fair play. And that's another reason why I'm not might have not got a target of line because we can only really offer a set amount mm. and can't go over it. But it does make you yeah. think if Smith and Nicky had signed new deals for us on nine, ten grand a week, would we have been able to sign, you know, like maybe Cam, um, Cameron Humphreys or um, or some of the other, or some of the other players we're looking at? Would we have been able to offer them the money that they're on if Smith and Nicky, Smith, <clears throat> Smith and Nicky had stayed because their wages? could get us four new players on lesser money. So, swings and roundabouts. Football's brilliant, it isn't it? <laughs> it does. Financial players is, is, is an important. It's all right, people saying, just go, go spend money. Go spend 700k on, on Cole Stockton and 10 grand a week on him. That's fine, but you've got to back it up. In a, not just... Tony Stewart could put that money in very easily, probably put that money in, to be honest with you. But it's got to work. Financial fair play. We've seen teams, so many teams get hit by financial fair play recently. You've got to stick within the rules. Um, and I, I suspect that's played a part. Um, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, we should mention the friendly 1-1 against Mansfield. Uh, I haven't seen the highlights. I've seen a vlog where it was, where the JJ were a free header. Um, and the Mansfield got a good finish, to be honest with you. I think it came fairly late on um, over that period. Anything we can take away? Anything you want to mention from the Mansfield game? It's a friendly. We played. It's minutes under the belts. Mentioned JJ Ben. Uh, Paul once spoke directly after the game, and he said ten weeks. They wouldn't have diagnosed that yet. That that that's obviously a Paul won't guess at that time, and they may not be so bad. But how do you feel about JJ being out for ten or so weeks? What what is the injury? Can I I'm not I'm not going to tell you what the injury is. I just want to know what your opinion is on JJ being injured. <laughs> uh, I, I think it's obviously it's annoying. It's a bit. It, it's a you know it's when you what probably would have been starters or competing for starting strikers out for 10 weeks. We've also got what's-his-face out for four weeks and trained it, I don't think, or played yet. Um, so it is a bit annoying, but the thing is, it, the problem is, right, is now the fans are saying, oh, we need to get another striker, we need to get a striker in. We signed another striker, we've now got five strikers at the club. Mm. Someone's going to miss out every week. The same person is going to miss out every week. So I, we don't need another striker, in my opinion. Four is enough. Four is enough. Um, so yeah, it's a bit annoying uh, because now, you know, I don't. Now we could go into panic mode and panic by a striker and have, you know, and use three grand of wages. It's on a player that's not going to play at all. He's going to play the first two games and not play for the rest of the season. Um, so well, yeah, I'm not really. Why? <laughs> so we have five strikers. Do you even need that many? I think JJ was going to go out on loan anyway. I think, personally. Oh, wait, I wait, if he was going to go out on loan, then the injury is irrelevant for the team's purpose and the club's uh, for the club. Obviously, for him, it's not. Um, mm. But in that case, it's irrelevant, in my opinion. Okay, but the question the point is now we're down to three strikers. Yeah. So well, if Tommy Eves ever gets, well, if Tommy Eves ever gets, well, down to two because Tommy Eves ever, I suppose. Yeah, he? if he ever gets fit, it's three. 
joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. He's not joking. Uh, well, I'm joking. That was a joke. <laughs> yeah. Um, John Morell says 10 weeks sounds like a hamstring tear. Yes, apparently it is a hamstring problem. We don't know whether it's a strain because this, when Paul was talking, they haven't scanned it yet, obviously. Um, uh, but like, like John Morell says, 10 weeks, it, standard guess, it's a hamstring tear. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. they can't diagnose a hamstring tear on the day. Unless, unless his muscles like contracted all the way down to his knee and it's physically torn in two, you can't diagnose it there in then because uh, mm. they need to work out the grading of it and then work out the rehab stuff and then you'll get an idea of time. Um, but yeah, 10 weeks is a long time for JJ. It may have scuttled him going out on loan somewhere. Um, but I think we should bring in another striker because we've got more substitute options and you can rotate it round. You know we've got we've got five subs now and not three, so technically we do need a bigger squad just for rotational purposes and not having the same subs every single time. Um, but <clears throat> yeah, <clears throat> excuse me, it is unfortunate for JJ with um, if it is if he is out for that length of time. Um, but I think he's going to come back stronger from it. I really do. He'll have an even bigger hunger to get in the side now. And just looking at the his performances against Salford and Mansfield, his aerial game has improved massively. He's actually yeah. got a head on him now, <laughs> a head for headers. Um, so, yeah, obviously we've been working on the set-piece routine. I think nearly all of our goals in pre-season have come from set-pieces other than the odds one it's or two. across, though, but yeah. Yeah, at least from the... Um, not, not from, quote-unquote, going through the middle open play sort of manoeuvres um, I, I, again I'm excited for this season I want to see what our game plan is mm. yeah I agree Nadan D says we don't need another striker well, you must be joking uh, <laughs> I don't agree with Ben I don't agree with Ben to be honest with you it's about opinions isn't it? Mick you don't know do you you don't know how the, the strikers we've got at the club at the moment are going to perform you know we've we brought in two who played in the championship before um, we're not we probably haven't had well, played in a team that's got the chance creation rate that we've got, mm. both at League One and Championship level. Um, they, they, you know, so you don't know how they're going to play at this stage. None of us know. Yeah, that JJ is an issue that 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 causes a problem. I, I personally think we could do it getting someone else in, particularly now, bearing in mind this injury, and maybe there'll be some sort of um, uh, maybe either a loan or, or or a permanent. Who knows? Um, I, I'm I just just sit back and relax. That for me, just sit back, relax, let them do their job because they will do it and they'll do it well because they mm. always do. Don't panic. They, they normally do. Yeah, they normally. Do. <laughs> yeah, I, I get, I get the, I get the, I get the panic. I'm not, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not somebody who's going to panic, but I understand. Um. Where people are coming from, I do think this some of the criticism has been way over the top, way, way, way over the top. Um, by the way, UK, he highly recommends getting another striker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He knows, Ben, he knows. Um, so yeah, um, yeah, it's tough, it's tough to know, Danny. Is there any, I, I, we've not had you on for a week or so, is there any rumors, news that you can share with the group? Mate, mate, I've not got a school view. These, especially these two <laughs> new players who are meant to have signed, he's gone very, very quiet. 
Mm. Um, yeah, I've no idea. I've seen a, a thing on Twitter about us potentially being back in for Cole Stockton, which is a very strange mm. thing because we were we were in for him and then we'd gone out with him. Um, <clears throat> a lot of people said it was dead in the water because we'd signed Washington, who was a very similar sort of striker. But now it seems we'll back in for him because suddenly, oh, JJ's injured. Um, and from what I've read, he's holding out, signing a new deal with Morecambe uh, because he doesn't think it's enough. And Morecambe have offered him two grand a, uh, a week in his contract. But apparently, we're not going in for it because we don't want to break the bank trying to bring, in it, bring him in, which... You know, it's, it's, it's mm. fair comment because if we say, right, we'll give you three grand a week, he could go back to Morecambe and say, they're offering me three grand a week. Will you offer it, mate? Who you know, do that? I, what kind of person would do I, that? Well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and I think it's probably because we don't want to be drawn into that situation again. And the mm. other way we're not drawn into that situation is by offering him something that he can't refuse. And you'd be looking at maybe seven or eight grand. And I think he'd. Yeah. Sign on the dot, but do we want to pay that much for him straight away? Uh, if if that makes sense, because we've got one striker coming back in ten weeks' time. Mm. You don't know. You don't know. Yeah. Um. But in terms of the new players who we are supposedly, well, the club have found out if they've got on today or not. No idea at all. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I have heard a little. Dickie Bird told me about the uh, the defender from um, Horn Brentford. Good, oh, good. Yeah. Uh, that might, might well possibly be back on the cards now. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know whether that's right or not. Who knows? Um, we'll see. We'll see. But we will do it. You just just have faith. Have faith. Uh, uh, Philip, Philip Oxley says, talk about blind faith. Mixed in, we've signed the right players. He has forgot about the last three relegations. I haven't Sorry forgotten about it at all. No, I haven't forgotten about it at all. Um, and yeah, we might get relegated again. That's 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 entirely possible. But to call it two weeks before the start of the season that we're going to get relegated, in my view, and it is just my opinion, is is lunacy. It's absolute lunacy. So, it, yeah, we 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 might not get the players, but I think we will. In my in my opinion, because this, the 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 recruitment squad of, of pulling rabbits out of a hat on a regular basis and have done in the past. Sometimes it's last few times it's not been enough. I accept that, but I don't know. I don't know what to say really. It just I find it I find it remarkable that at this stage of the season we're all talking about going down. The last few kicked a ball. The last few times we've been in the championship, we've had players like Wing and Freddie with obvious attitude problems. I don't see anyone on the squad this year uh, with that. Which is mm. something that I've never really seen in a couple of years. We haven't got that ego, if that makes sense. Yeah. And uh, ju- just, to, just to play devil's advocate, that first relegation wasn't the play, wasn't the no. Paul one sort of yeah, players. We not. can't really hold that one in regard no, to that. Yeah, we're not having that one. Essentially, just two. Paul and the two. Yeah, even, so, even so, it's two relegations with players that weren't up to scratch. Fully accepted. I fully accept that. You know what I mean? Okay, but the we'll signings that have been made, you know, when we've, when we've gone up, we've not been signing players with championship experience. Now we are. They might be low end of championship experience, but now we are. So it's a progression. It's a gradual progression. Might not be what everybody wants to see. 
But with Rotherham United, we are not going to be signing top end of championship players. It is not going to happen. It, it's not. No matter what, no matter how you want to look at it, it's not going to happen, is it? Because we can't afford it. And if you want us to afford it, then the club's going to end up back in League Two with no money and no chairman. Because that's what will happen. That's what happened. It just... I don't know. It, Do you not think we should spend all of our money on players gambling promotion? Because that's obviously worked for a lot of other clubs, hasn't it? Well, it's worked for loads, Ben, yeah. Worked for... Well, when I say loads, I mean none. No, no. to be fair, it worked for Villa, didn't it? Do you mean... Yeah, when they should have gone back down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If the, if the rules were enforced. Yeah. But, 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 I mean, do, do you think we should do that or keep the same club structure that we've got, like Brentford and where they are? Or do you think we should do it like Wednesday uh, and all these clubs? Yeah. Bedding, Derby and all this. Uh, Listen, it, it's easy to set Mickey out of people, isn't it? You know, because, and I understand that people make, make comments about, you know, just in the spur of the moment and, and everything else. But if you give it some thought... We're not going to be paying stupid money for players. And for me, with Smithy, with, certainly with Smithy, I think we dodged the bullet there. I genuinely do. Because the point that Danny made there, if we're paying him 10 grand a week, there's two, probably two more players that we ain't going to be able to sign. We get nine, ten thousand 10,000 through the gate every week. Um, and, and as a consequence, your wages to income ratio is, is, is going to swap over and you're going to be paying more in wages than you're getting through the door. At that point, it becomes unsustainable in long term. Ten grand a week also could bring some e- ego. Yeah, that's probably yeah, potentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, Will Robux says the COVID relegation doesn't count either. I'm I'm happy with that. Will so we're down to one relegation. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody can figure a reason um, why I don't count, let us know because we will take it. Um, on a serious, Nicholas Skidmore says last time we were up to scratch, we missed out with five minutes to play. Against the odds with the build up with the cut with the games, etc. So unlucky, which I think is a very valid point. Uh, Ronaldo says Chio Chidozi was injured all season for the last time we were in the championship as well. One of our best players was injured for the entire season almost. Uh, yeah, but don't let's not get bogged down in little details that actually give you a reason as to why it happened. Um, but in all seriousness, those are the details, those are the important points mm. that we need, we all need to consider when we're looking ahead towards the season. Yeah, we've been relegated three times, but there's been a reason for each one. And, and one of the, or a number of reasons for each one. One of, the re, one of those reasons for each one probably is that we weren't good enough. However, on its own, in and of itself, is not, it's not the only thing that gets relegated. Uh, but, and another thing on that, if you look at all the relegations, bar the first one, if the rules were enforced properly, we probably wouldn't have gone down. Well, yeah, but... <laughs> no, yes, so that's a different topic for another time. <laughs> I was trying to get Nick going. We do have another friendly on Tuesday, which I just, to be honest with you, there's a little bit of me that thinks that might not go ahead with the weather. Um, yeah, it's meant to kick off at seven o'clock, which is meant to be something like 36 degrees at that point. Um, I don't know. I, I've that, that I, we have no inf- inside information. But I know if I, if I was uh, somebody at the club, I would be looking at moving that uh, because I don't think I don't. What can you possibly gain from playing those players at thirty-six degrees? Yeah, you, can't, can you? you can't, and I don't think it helps there. But pre-season, I don't think it helps. We get fitter. 
personally, I don't know if you, you guys have got an opinion on it. It's probably not going to get cancelled because people have paid the money already. Like I think you have, Tani. But there's a, no, there's an argument for to cancel it in the club. Mm. I think if it was on a Saturday and it were being played at three o'clock, we would do. Mm. Uh, but because it's in an evening and the temperature is going to drop massively overnight and, in, and into the evenings, because we're going from <laughs> going from thirty nine degrees on Tuesday to twenty one peak on Wednesday. <laughs> Like, yeah. how's that even a thing? You know, <laughs> but I, I, yeah, you're according right. To I, Malfis, I, according to Malfis, at seven o'clock, it's still going to be 34 degrees. Jesus. It'll be like Croatia, they'll win. We've That's been to true. Croatia, we've played in that weather. Don't cats or haven't. <laughs> That's true. Um, but you're going, have you got, you got a ticket for that, Danny? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> you know we talked about massive temperatures. I'm going to get on a train at about three o'clock when it's about forty degrees. So that's going to be fantastic. Might have aircon. Might be best place. But the northern trains, they don't, they're not designed with aircon because they're all about twenty years old. <laughs> that's a good point. Th- these trains were built before global warming was a thing in this country, and they don't have air conditioning. <laughs> yeah. Well, I found well, it. Find the northern train that's only twenty years old, mate. Well, <laughs> they've, re- they've replaced a few of them and they'll end up bringing other ones back in. Oh, I don't yeah, know. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So there we go. Is there anything else we need to cover? I don't know that there is anything else we need to cover, to be honest with you. Not for me. I'm all right. Yeah, I'm just check check, check the trains, right. Danny. The amount of it working yes. in that heat. I don't. I don't recommend walking either. To be honest with you. Um, oh God, no. Well, we'll look at it this way: Tra- trains will, probably won't be running because the rails will have melted or something silly. Yes. The buses <laughs> won't be going because the tires will have burst because of the, because of the um, the hot weather. So it might end up ju- just us being sat at home watching it. But well, drivers um, won't work in that, will they? Do uh, work out, do they? Move yeah, on, man. No, <laughs> they should get. They should get three hundred pounds a week, ben. in my opinion. Whatever. Move on, Move on. Ben. <laughs> UK says the away kit is on sale on Tuesday. Ooh. We get to the we got to the see the first glimpse of the third kit. Although it's not called the third kit on Saturday, which I quite liked. Um, yeah. Any cool, news cool, on goalie cool. kit? Has anybody had any news on the goalie? I think it's kit? orange. It's like it, it, Victor was wearing orange yeah. on, on right. Saturday. Um, from what I've seen, I haven't oh, seen a picture. I haven't seen a picture. I just sort of seen yeah, it. Shorts. Yeah. We were wearing um, orange shorts. I didn't see the kit it, at the top. But it, it clashed. It, 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 it did clash with the Mansfield kit, which I thought was quite strange. But anyway. Anyway, 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 anyway. We've gone a bit long today. That happens. Um, we will be back on Wednesday when everything is a bit cooler. Um, we won't be. Yeah. Um, we will talk about if the game has happened on Tuesday. We will talk about it. If we have made some signs this week, we will talk about it. If we haven't made any signings, we will talk about it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we're back earlier this week. So we're recording Wednesday night. It's out Thursday morning. That's because the Legends night is on Thursday. We will be, in an ideal world, we will be streaming the Q&A live to YouTube for that one. So keep an eye out on that. Uh, if technology permitting, uh, a mic permitting, that will go ahead. <sighs> Why me? What do you mean, why you? You know why you. All right. Um, <laughs> I, I, just to just to finish and bounce off Neil Liversidge about checking the trains. The trains are still running. 
Fantastic. But there's that. Notice it says only travel if necessary on Monday and Tuesday because of temperatures. Mm. Um, and Rotherham's pre-season is necessary travel, I think. Well, yeah, we, yeah. Can all agree, we can all agree on that, can't we? Mm. Essential travel. Completely agree. Yeah. Football is necessary. Yes. Um, yeah. So, yeah, there we go. There we go. There we go. It's been a pleasure to do it tonight. It was a pleasure to speak to Sai about the podcast, Moment of Truth, which again we'll talk about when that comes out. And we will definitely hold him to his. Um, word about coming back on in a couple of weeks' time. So, just to give you a recap on on the changes of scheduling, Wednesday will be the Wednesday night on YouTube, a Thursday morning for the podcast. The next podcast will be on Monday evening, not Sunday evening, and out on Tuesday morning. And that should be our preseason prediction episode, where we're going to get together our predictions. So, in ten months' time, we can laugh at how horribly. Um, so we'll finish by saying thank you for watching please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube wherever you are, give us a thumbs up and a 5 star rating if you can Um, but we'll finish by saying a well done to Danny and everybody who was involved in the charity game on Saturday Uh, we'll get a total, when Danny has a total when it's we'll we'll obviously share with everybody else as well what that total is going to be um, because it's been brilliant well done Danny, well done everybody involved in that it's been great, thank you very much, it's been fantastic and we'll see you all very soon Stay safe. Stay cool. <laughs> Stay <laughs> soon. Cheers. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com.